Amen. Hey, once again, we are in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult, Charismatic Chaos, Part 2, Debbie, the tagline. Reed, was she practicing all day? She knocked it out, no hesitation. That was amazing. I tell you what, just for that, you get a, a sweaty piece of gum. No, no pressure. You can do what you want with it. But anyway, that's right. <laughs> Charismatic Chaos, Part 2. Now, it's Part 2 because we're dealing with the history section. The first 20 sections, we were already dealing with the false teachings, even though we keep dealing with false teachings and unfortunately they're everywhere but we're dealing and display uh, uh, displacing this idea that they say well the reason why this stuff's so weird is because you know it's a, a new latest movement of god in the last days no it's not as we've been seeing throughout history it's the same old same old man been going on uh they want to back it up and say well it was something recent called the azusa street revival that that's where all this uh, stuff happened no it didn't it happened way back after the uh, death of the last apostle but we again went forward there we saw that one thing that did happen after the azusa street revival which was not from god we clearly saw uh, they began to spread out they began to spread out because they were splitting all over the place why because they're not centered on the scripture one person said god told me to tell this and they went off that way one person said i had a vision let's go this way and that's what happens and it's still going on today massive splits they spread they birthed what was called the oneness pentecostal movement in 1914 which is not uh, uh, the same, which is not the gospel period it's a works based gospel that you have to be baptized you can only be baptized by them uh, in order to be saved and it has to be done in Jesus name only in order to be saved and you have to speak in gibberish to be saved that's, that's all adding to the cross of Christ that's the false gospel and if these people really believe in that they're not trusting in the work of Jesus or trusting in the work of man and you ain't saved okay then at the same time birth what was called the assembly of god movement and then here comes the four square charismatic movement from amy simple mcpherson 1927 then we saw the antics of coolman Catherine coolman and amy and Catherine both influenced benny hinn born in 1952 and where we've been the last few weeks has been the tent revivals out of the 1950s basically now instead of you going to Catherine coolman you going to amy simple mcpherson and their so-called temples and and uh, stadiums and one have you uh these guys hit the road okay in the 50s in these giant tents and that was oral roberts we saw amongst others william branham was another one okay and that led to what was called last time we saw the word of faith or word faith movement uh which is basically the name it and claim it the blab it and grab it group that you are guaranteed perfect riches and perfect health which is a lie but that came out of oral roberts he influenced two guys as we saw last time the first guy is this kenneth hagan guy okay and then here it comes dr creepy everybody's favorite photo kenneth copeland he came out of that and that's where we left off and that's who we're going to deal with uh tonight uh is mr copeland okay as you can see there and uh, did anybody use this photo during the week to discipline your kids Keep him in line. You better get to sleep, man. I'll show you that picture again. Yeah, they probably screamed and had nightmares all night long. Okay, but Kenneth Copeland, okay? But before we do that, let's understand that, folks, 2,000 years ago, I, I'm totally convinced of this. We were warned of these hucksters that they would specifically come in the last days to rip people off, okay? Let's take a look at that in Second Peter. Open your Bibles, Second Peter, and uh, we're gonna take a look again at the same passage, Second Peter 2, verses one through three. If you find First Peter, what do you do? Hang on, if you find third Peter, what do you do? <laughs> throw, it away. throw it away, it's not there, that's right. And of course, Peter was written by Peter, you biblical scholars. I'm stalling time, you guys know the technique, you can't have dead air, that's against the law. But anyway, that's right. Second Peter chapter two, verse one through three, uh, false teachers and their destruction. Don't wanna listen to these people, don't wanna be around these people, certainly don't wanna follow them. But here's what was warned, listen guys, nearly 2,000 <clears throat> years ago. Here's what Peter said, but there were also false prophets among the people, meaning in the past, just as there will be in the future false teachers among you. Now who's he talking to again? The church. False teachers among you. Now, here's what these guys are going to do. <clears throat> they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. As that's what we saw. A lot of this is works-based. That's denying the sovereign Lord. Okay, Jesus Christ, who bought him? It's only through Jesus Christ. They're denying that. And it's going to bring swift destruction on themselves. And nobody's going to follow these guys. Are you kidding me? Many, just, uh, it's crazy. I, how do these guys continue year after year? And don't just continue. You're going to see it again tonight. They're multi-millionaires and they keep breaking in millions more because many are following. It was predicted 2,000 years ago, folks, will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. We thought, saw that was the Greek word blasphemeo, where we get literally blaspheming. The, the, what they're doing is blaspheming God's truth. Okay, now it says this, in their what? What's their motive? Why are these guys doing this? Because it's the truth? 
No, it's all about greed. They want your money. They want something from you. These teachers will exploit you, okay? It's, it's a trickery. They're getting something from you. They're ripping you off, right? With what? The truth? No, they're making this stuff up, man, in their imagination. God told me to tell you. He didn't tell you nothing. And if you did hear something, that was not the spirit of God, okay? He, they're doing it with stories they made up, but their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has long been sleeping, okay? In other words, again, you don't want to be around these guys. But folks, I again am convinced that that's what we're seeing today uh, with these hucksters. And here comes another one uh, with Mr. Uh, Copeland. Let's take a look at him. Now, just again to follow the trail, okay? Kenneth Hagan and Oral Roberts, okay, ministered together, but Kenneth Copeland also was a part of that thread we saw before. Specifically, he initially was working as a chauffeur for Roberts, and then he worked as a pilot for Roberts. So that's how he got connected. And apparently he learned the tricks of the trade, okay, and he went out on his own, okay. Uh, His full name is Kenneth Max Copeland. He was born in 1936, a charismatic televangelist. He runs the Texas-based Kenneth Copeland Ministries, or KCM, for those of you hooked on acronyms. He was actually born in Lubbock, Texas, okay? He was raised near an airfield, which apparently is where he developed his love of flying, and he still loves to fly today, and he loves to fly in extreme style, okay? But God told him to get that plane. We'll see that in a little bit, okay? He married uh, in 1955 a lady named Ivy uh, Bodiford. They had a daughter named Terry, but they were divorced in 1958, then he married his current wife, okay? Her name is Gloria. You're gonna see a video of her in a little bit, Lord William, okay? And uh, that was in 1963. They're the parents of John uh, Copeland, Kelly Copeland, and <clears throat> the Copeland children work for the ministry and, quote, Kelly preaches throughout the states and so does Terry. Again, another common thread with the charismatic movement that ladies can be uh, preachers and, and things of that nature. Uh, if you wonder, go to part 15 of Charismatic Chaos. The whole study was on, does the Bible say that women can be pastors? The answer rhymes with no. Okay, you guys are good into rhyming. Now, believe it or not, prior to him becoming a Christian, Mr. Copeland I'm talking about, in November 1962, he actually was a recording artist, okay? And he actually had a song on Imperial Records and it was a a, a Billboard Top 40 hit. It was called The Pledge of Love. I took a hit for you guys because I had to listen to this thing. Okay, let's see how long you can last. Let's take a look. Here it is. That's all I can take personally. But anyway, that's all I can do. And I'm sparing you. Don't say I don't love you. But uh, <laughs> anyway, you want something else to freak your kids out? Play that song <laughs> with the picture. And they'll, they'll do whatever you say, man. They'll rake the leaves. They'll do stuff. But let's move on. Uh, currently, the ministries are located in Fort Worth, Texas on 33 acres. 33 acres. Approximately 500 people are employed by this so-called ministry. And uh, his program is carried nationwide on the... Trinity Broadcast Network, as we saw, uh, that acronym I call the Total Blasphemy Network, uh, and uh, he's the author of numerous charismatic books. He's got the Daily Believer's Voice of Victory Television broadcast. It's available to listen more than 76 million households and nearly 700 stations in the United States. 76 million households in the United States of America. Now that's households. So how many people does that represent? That's a huge, massive chunk of our country is being indoctrinated, influenced by this huckster, okay? All right, and then estimated 82 million households are able to receive the Sunday broadcast, so even more, uh, over 600 stations. Listen, they could also be seen on 135 international stations. So this is globally being spewed out there. It's crazy. He also, again, has the the Believer's Voice of Victory magazine. He's also got a bi-monthly thing called Shout, and he even has the Voice of Victory for Kids magazine. So get them while they're young, because then they can grow up and give you money when they get a job. He also teaches, unfortunately, shocker. Turn to your neighbor and say, shocker. He teaches heresies. Oh, 
are you serious? Yes, they're all over the place, right? Because when you get outside the Bible and you say, God told me to tell you, you're gonna come up with a bunch of stories you made up. And if you're specifically one of these guys, you're doing it all in greed to rip people off their cash. And that's what we're gonna see, clearly. Now, I'm just gonna rip through a bunch of them, okay? And uh, for instance, on record, Copeland said, quote, Jesus didn't claim to be God when he lived on earth. It's a major lie. He says, uh, new age occult teachings of positive imaging and visualization are for God's people today. No, they're not. You're not supposed to merge uh, at all. God intends for his people to be united, he says, but it won't be based on doctrine. Excuse me? Scripture says we're to be like-minded in the scripture. And that's where we derive our beliefs. But again, notice these guys at the same time they're doing these stories made up, God told me to tell you and they're ripping people off. Okay, they downplay what? Studying the Bible, right? Doctrine's bad, bad. That's oh, dry, stale, man-made. No, it's not. It's good for you. Okay, it's called the Bible. Uh, healing is for every believer and, quote, tongues are for the entire body of Christ. No, that's wrong on a multitude of levels. Number one, even if you wanted to say they were in existence for today, uh, which is debatable, Paul clearly said when they were in existence that not everybody speaks in a tongue. So how could you say it's there? Man, he, he's going down the list. He says, quote, it would have been impossible for Jesus to have been poor. Really? He's, the Bible says he became poor for our sakes, right? And by the way, when you're doing construction, a carpenter, you weren't making a lot of money. Okay, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but again, he says that your f- word faith implies his big thing to rip people off their cash. We saw last week, the word faith movement, is that your words have creative power and whatever you say determines everything that happens to you. Now listen to this, especially favors, listen, here's their word, that you demand of God. Excuse me? You de- and, and quote, God is required to answer. God's God. He'll do whatever he wants to do. He's not your cosmic butler in the sky, right? He's not a cosmic sugar daddy, right? He's not some giant, you know, slot machine. And he just has to pull the lever and give you, just nuts. Now, uh, obviously, uh, one guy says, his teaching on guaranteed healing is a particularly destructive lie. He says that every Christian is guaranteed physical healing and financial prosperity. Multitudes have believed his lies about this and have become confused and disappointed. And many have become bitter against God because God didn't do what Copeland said that he was going to do. You're a huckster. You're leading people astray. And again, what's Peter say to these people that do that? Their destruction has not been sleeping, man. You don't want to be in their camp on judgment day. Uh, and again, he goes along, as we saw last week, we exposed in, in, in uh, great detail. They believe that they are little gods. Copeland's uh, big on that as well. Uh, and when they say the gods, they literally mean gods. In fact, here's a quote from Copeland. He says, don't be disturbed. Okay, oh, in fact, this is supposed to be, supposed to be Jesus speaking to him. Quote, is Jesus supposed to be speaking to Copeland? Quote, don't be disturbed when people accuse you of thinking you are God. They crucified me for claiming I was God. I didn't claim that I was God. I just claimed that I walked with him. Well, that ain't Jesus, folks, if that's even real. I think it's a story made up, but even if it was a voice, that ain't Jesus. Jesus clearly claimed to be God, right? Multiple times, okay? Uh, he denies, Copeland does, the uniqueness of Christ. Basically, again, as you just heard, saying that Jesus was not God multiple times, but he thinks he is a God. You see what's going on there? Jesus is not God, but Copeland is. In fact, even to the point, listen to what he said. This is Copeland. He says, you're all God. You don't have a God living in you. You are one. When I, Copeland said, when I read in the Bible where God tells Moses, I am, which is a statement of God, he says, I just say, yeah, I am too. What's the word there? Blasphemeo. Bring the way of God's truth into disrepute. That's blasphemy, folks. But folks, they really believe that they are God that they have the power with their words just like God to do whatever they want, including, apparently, stories made up, control the weather. Watch this. This is his wife. You know, you're, the, you're supposed to control the weather. I mean, Ken's the primary weatherman at our house, but when he's not there, I do it. You can see what's happening out there. It shows just like they have on at the weather, like on the news. I mean, he's got the computers, got the current weather on it and all that for flying. So... Uh, Sometimes I'll hear something. I'll hear the thunder start. Maybe he'll still be asleep. And I'll say, Ken, you need to do something about this. <laughs> but you are the one that has authority over the weather. One day, I was in the airplane in the back, and my little brother was in the back with me. 
and Ken was up front flying, and we were not in the weather because we don't fly bad weather, but we, we could see the weather over here. And I looked out the window, and that tornado came down just like this, down toward the ground, and Ken said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You get back up there. So this is how I learned how to talk to tornadoes. I saw this. And that tornado went, whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah. Whoop, 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 whoop. Where do you want to twirl it? Okay. Wow. That's called a story made up, folks. That's a bunch of baloney. Uh, but Copeland, he also says that, listen to this, Jesus won the right This is Kenneth Copeland speaking. Jesus won the right for believers to be born again back into the God class. Wow. Uh, And obviously, as uh, all word faith teachers do, we saw this in great detail last time. They say that Jesus died and that our redemption, he died spiritually, and that our redemption uh, comes not from Christ's death on the cross, but from him being tortured by Satan in hell for three days and nights. Not even close. Now, let me give you another passage because this came up during the week. We talked in great detail in our last study on Sheol. Remember the two compartments, right? Jesus did not go to hell. When he was on the cross and the thief, what did he say to the thief? He says, who believed in him? Today you will be with me in hell and, and help me out because I'm gonna get beat up for three days by demons and then I'm gonna become born again so you can become a God. No, that's blasphemy, right? You'll be with me in paradise. There was two compartments to Sheol, Okay, but uh, another passage came up, uh, had a question here from Sunrise about Sunday school, also had an email from a lady uh, tuning in from Cyprus on this passage. They said, well, well, how does that jive? How does Sheol jive with 1 Peter chapter three? Turn there. So if you hopefully have your 2 Peter still open, just hang a left. 1 Peter chapter three, and then we're gonna pop over to Luke 16 and look at the visual again and explain even this. Because the fact is, folks, I don't care what you try to read into it, Jesus never went to hell. If Jesus went to hell, we're all going to hell, okay? Because hell was only for the sinners. And if Jesus went to hell, that meant he had sin, which meant he would never have risen again from the grave because he was not sinless. And certainly his sacrifice would not have been acceptable to God because it had to be a sinless, spotless sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb. So he can't go to hell. But let's understand what's going on here in light of the two compartments of Sheol. First Peter chapter three, and we're gonna take a look at just simply verse 19. It says this, through whom also he, Jesus, went and what? Preached to the spirits in prison. And so people would say, well, wait a second. So he dies and he goes and he's preaching to the spirit. Well, see, he's in hell. He's in hell surrounded by these demons. No, he's not. Luke 16, flip over there. Luke 16 the rich man and Lazarus. We saw this again last time, but we'll put this together and we'll move on. Again, we dealt with this in great detail last week if you want to do that, but I wanted to bring up that other passage. Luke 16, verse 19 says this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, lived in luxury every day. Sounds like these guys, doesn't it? Yeah, hey. Uh, at his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus. He was covered with sores. He longed to eat uh, what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and looked at his sores. The time came for the beggar. He died and the angels carried him where? Abraham's side. So notice the righteous side of Sheol, the grave, okay, it was a two-compartment thing. The righteous side was paradise, like the thief on the cross, you'll be with me in paradise, or Abraham's bosom, or Abraham's side. Now the rich man, he died, and he was buried in where? He goes to hell, okay, to the unrighteous side, where he was what, partying? Now he's in torment, all right? So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire, okay? And uh, so, so notice, okay, he looked up and he saw what? Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So let's go back to our photo here, right? Sheol, originally prior to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay, because the righteous side is now with him, he took him to heaven. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 8, absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. But originally, prior to the resurrection of Jesus and ascending to the right hand of the Father, Sheol, the place of the grave, had two parts. Luke 16 tells us there's a great chasm fixed between the two. You can't cross over. Now, here's the point. You can't cross over from between the two, but you could what? You could see the other side, right? He saw him what? Far away. So that means that the Abraham's bosom or paradise where Jesus went, okay, where Lazarus was, where Abraham was, the guy over here on the left in hell 
he could what? He can't cross the chasm, but he could what? See the chasm. Now, let's back up to 1 Peter 3. So when Jesus is down there, okay, he, he's, it says there he's preaching to the spirits. Okay, it's keteruso in the Greek. It means to preach or proclaim. He's proclaiming victory. He's not down there with demons, okay? And he's not getting all beat up, okay? He's on the righteous side. He can see across. They can see across. You can't cross back and forth, okay? But he's proclaiming victory. Why? Because he's down there for three days getting beat up. No, he's down there fulfilling the prophecy that he made that as Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days, he's, he's fulfilling the prophecy he made. He's down there for three days, not because he's being tormented, right, and suffering down there. The work of our redemption was done at the cross, but Jesus never went to hell. So he's on the one side proclaiming victory, as you can see to the other side. Does that make, is it clear? Jesus never went to hell. But that's what these people say. They not only say he went to hell, but quote, Jesus, this is from Copeland, he allowed the devil to drag him into the depths of hell and he was raised up a born again man. Folks, what is that? Blasphemeo. That is blasphemy. Okay, again, one guy said, this is nonsense. It's heretical to teach that our redemption comes through Satan torturing Jesus in hell. Think about that. He says, this would make Satan our co-redeemer. I mean, if he didn't torture Jesus enough, we wouldn't be saved. And if he did, do we thank Satan? Folks, this is serious stuff. You don't want to mess with it. Now, let me give you a couple of just real quick other false teachings. Unfortunately, it's a giant sewer pipe full. Okay, because again, anytime you get outside of the Bible and you say, God told me or I had a vision and whoop, 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 starts going off through your head. You're going to come up with all kinds of false teachings, especially if you want to make them fanciful and sensational so people give you money. Because that's really what it is. It's in, in greed. Okay. Uh, if that's Kenneth Copeland, don't take the call. Uh, but let's move on. Here's a couple other things that he says. Quote, Adam was God manifest in the flesh. Really? No. He was created in God's image, but not God. But that's what they believe. And did you know he actually said that the biggest failure in the universe, Kenneth Copeland said this, the biggest failure in the universe was God? Here's the actual tape. We saw this before. I was shocked when I found out who the biggest failure in the Bible actually is. Okay. You know, everybody asks, you say, who's the biggest failure? They say, Judas. Somebody else will say, no, I believe it's Adam. Well, how about the devil? He's the most consistent failure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But he's not the biggest in terms of material failure and so forth. The biggest one in the whole Bible is God. Hmm. Oh, what, what, what? Don't you turn that set off. <laughs> you listen to it. You, I told you now, you sit still a minute. You know me well enough. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell something that I can't prove with the Bible. He lost his top-ranking, most anointed angel, the first man he ever created, the first woman he ever created, the whole earth and all the fullness therein, a third of the angels at least. That's big loss, man. I mean, you figure all that, that's a lot of real estate, brother, gone down the drain. Now, the reason you don't think of God as a failure is he never said he's a failure. (laughs) (laughs) That's not funny. That's blasphemy. The reason why God never said he's a failure because he's not a failure. If God failed at anything, he wouldn't be holy. He wouldn't be perfect. He would means he's inept. He's not all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere. Excuse me? Folks, that's on tape, man. That's crazy. He also said, Kenneth Copeland said, that God lives on a mother planet. Now you're starting to sound like Mormons with Kolob. Wait till we get some of these other guys. Uh, they bring in Mormon as well. And I'm not joking on this one. Quote Copeland, Jesus was raped by homosexual Roman soldiers every way possible. God and Adam are the same size. God has no right to the earth at all. He needs an imitation. He basically deifies Satan saying that, listen, that Satan has so much power that he could manage to, quote, turn the light off in God. Dude, who are you working for? Because you're, whoa. And then he says, of course, the ownership of the earth is Satan's. This is so easily disproved. Psalm 24, open your Bibles. Psalm 24, this is just one passage. You can look at many others that demonstrate this clearly. Okay, Uh, Psalm 24, 
you could also look at Psalm 89. But let's just take a look. I don't know how you get around this, man. How Sitting there and saying that Satan owns the, the world. That's just absolutely crazy. But uh, Psalm 24, verse 1. This, man, it's nuts, right? But here's what it says. When you get there, say moo. Moo, a couple, I'll give you a little bit more second there. Okay, you're there, there, there. We're okay. We're there. All right, here we go. Psalm 24. The earth is Satan's and everything in it and the world and all. Oh, I'm sorry. I must be reading Copeland's Bible, whatever he's getting this from. Uh, wrong Bible. It's not in the Bible. What's it say? How do you get around this, folks? The earth is whose? The Lord. It says it right there. And, and oh, in case you don't get it, how much of it? Everything in it. Oh, uh, oh in case you don't know what everything means, uh, the world, uh, mm, and let's itemize it. And all who live in it. Why? Because he's God. He's the one who founded it upon the seas and established upon the waters. That's just one passage. And you're going to say it belongs to Satan? Who are you working for? But he says this, God's on the outside looking in. He doesn't have any legal entree into the earth. The thing don't belong to him. That's What's the word there? Blasphemy. Oh, that's blasphemy. Right? Complete contradiction of scripture. And of course, he claims that Jesus Christ communicates to him directly. Right? Because that sounds good when you're making these stories up. I'd agree. Uh, he also says that Jesus became the sign of Satan when he was hanging on the cross. And let me just give you a couple of miscellaneous ones. Uh, he said that any Old Testament prophet could have atoned for our sins if they knew what Jesus knew. Really? Only Jesus was sinless. I don't care what the other guys knew if they knew you had to be sinless. So no, nobody could do what Jesus did. Never. Uh, he said, Ken the Copeland said, Jesus is no longer the only begotten son of God. And again, that Adam was made in the image of God. He was as much female as he was male. He was exactly like God. There is no duality thing. We've dealt with that before. That's nuts. Okay. And of course, all this is very convenient because they're not teaching just destructive heresies that are coming into the church. And it's not only bringing the way of truth into disrepute, it's blasphemy. But why are they doing this? Because, man, when you sit there and make up a bunch of stories and tell people they can be rich like you and perfect health, even though, again, you're getting older and getting all crinkly up, but don't pay attention to that. Uh, guess what? It works out good for your plan because if the whole thing's based on greed, that's what you're going to get. And he is living it up, folks. Here's just one. The world, I say this all the time, the world is so much quicker to call these guys out on the carpet than we our silence is not helping, it's hurting us. Okay? Because it's really hard to witness because we get lumped in with these guys. And it's not true, but the world doesn't know the difference. But let's take a look at this expose of Mr. Copeland. Senator Charles Grassley is investigating six top TV preachers. And tonight, our chief investigative correspondent, Armin Katayan, has a hard look at one of them. Kenneth Copeland, the so-called godfather of prosperity gospel. To live in the Garden of Eden. Hallelujah. In one TV sermon after another, somebody shout amen. Kenneth Copeland and wife Gloria implore viewers to sow the seeds of their faith by following God's word and donating dollars, promising a hundredfold return in happiness and wealth. It's a bottom line business. This former ministry employee who feared being identified answered hundreds of prayer requests a day, most sent in with donations before quitting feeling betrayed by Copeland's gospel of prosperity. I receive it! He is the recipient of the prosperity message. So when he's preaching health and wealth... He's filling that bottom line on his business. That's why Senate investigators are digging into whether ministry resources are being diverted into an array of for-profit companies tied to the Copelands. Cattle, horses, aviation, real estate development, and gas and oil wells to name but a few. Michael Hoover, who worked for the Kenneth Copeland Ministries for five years, quit in 2005 over disagreements with the church. He is one of three former employees who told CBS News they witnessed other employees doing work on behalf of for-profit businesses tied to the Copeland family. I believe that they were using a lot of the ministry's assets for personal businesses. The nonprofit activity and the for-profit activity are so intertwined that you can't, you can't separate them. A two-month CBS News investigation, including interviews with nearly a dozen former Copeland employees, raises serious questions about the Copeland's religious empire. 
beginning with this lavish lakefront home, all 18,000 square feet of it, and a fleet of private planes, all paid for by the ministry. The Lord spoke to me and said, you believe for a Citation 10 right now. Copeland got what he wanted. That's the $20 million jet right there parked at the ministry-owned airport, one of four planes owned by the church. It will never, ever be used for anything other than what is becoming to you, Lord Jesus. But that's not what happened. CBS News has learned he used this ministry jet and another to fly to and from Colorado three times in 2007, the site of frequent Copeland family vacations. The ministry claims that in rare instances that jets or employees are used for personal business, the church is reimbursed. You are not created for poverty. Churches are not required to file tax forms or make their finances public. The ministry, which says it does everything by the book, has refused to answer key questions about its finances raised by Senate investigators. We answered them. <laughs> we gave them a several-page lesson on no. Why? Where do you get to hide? Oh, but he's not the only one. Let's continue on because you got this uh, next guy. Maybe you guys have heard of him. And uh, Jesse DePlantis. Jesse Duplantis, here you go right there. Yeah, throw up your, hey, I don't know, what's the next storm going to come up? This guy, I mean, the, all these guys make up stories exactly like Peter predicted uh, 2,000 years ago. But this guy, man, he tells some whoppers, okay? He just whips them out right and left, okay? But he's, uh, again, a charismatic uh, uh, TV evangelist guy based out of New Orleans, founder of the Jesse Duplantis Ministries. His first sermon was 1976, and he was introduced as the Apostle of Joy, on the Total Blasphemy Network, I mean, TBM, and, uh, and that's become his PR slogan. As one guy says, oh, yeah, he's funny. He cracks jokes, he smiles, and I'm not against humor or whatever. The guy says, yeah, he's funny, but it's not funny what he teaches, okay? He's also known as the Ragin' Cajun, being from Louisiana, uh, but he certainly has, once again, a disdain. Oh, man, one thing you don't want to do is whatever you do, don't, dis- don't study doctrine, yeah, don't study the Bible. You might find out what these guys are doing and how God warned 2,000 years ago, stay away from them, okay? But listen to what he says. He says, quote, naturally the devil, the devil tried to shut down this living, breathing church. He wanted dry bones. He, he began to take the freshness of God and, and put ecclesiastical dogma on it. He used theological understanding to water down the fire. What? So the Bible's bad. And that came from Satan. When you want to study the Bible or you go to a church that focuses on studying the Bible, which all churches should be, uh, that's from Satan. That's what he's saying, folks. Absolutely crazy. Uh, He's supposedly gone to heaven. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, Got all kinds of new revelations. He slays people in the spirit, yells at the devil. uh, And he, as one guy says, he does not say anything close to being biblically accurate with statements like this, quote, Jesse DePlantis, if God told a lie, it wouldn't be a lie because it would become the truth. What? No, a lie is a lie, period, and God can't tell a lie because he's holy. But the guy's just flipping this stuff out, and people don't check him. Now, of course, what, he's like the word face, so what do these guys always focus on? Be rich. And again, the ones getting rich are these guys. But listen to this. He said, this is from DePlantis. He said, the very first thing on Jesus' agenda was to get rid of poverty. No, it's called to make redemption so we don't go to hell for forgiveness of sins. This is nuts, folks. Okay, now by making just that statement, as one guy says, he just condemned the apostle Paul who said in 1 Corinthians 4, 11 through 12, to the present hour we both hunger and thirst, we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. What's the matter? Paul didn't have enough faith? I guess these guys weren't around to sow a seed into the ministry so we can have God's blessings and prosperity. He also condemned Peter, right? And saying that Peter's not anointing because Acts 3, 6 says, Peter said to the man at the gate of the temple, silver and gold, I have a ton. I have none. Okay, I do not have. Okay, so apparently that's what happened. They, Peter didn't have faith either, you know. He didn't understand this, you know, you can create, you're a little God and you can make, it's nuts, folks. Here's a couple other statements from, again, this guy who we're talking about, Jesse DePlantis. He said, I've never had the Lord say, Jesse, I think that car is a little bit too nice. 
And then he goes on and says, but I have had vehicles, the Lord said, supposedly this come from God. Quote, stories made up. That, quote, God supposedly told him about a vehicle. Don't put that in front of my house. I don't want people to think that I'm a poor God. Wow. And Jesse also said, if I give $1,000, I deserve to get back $100,000 because I am just. Quote, that's not greed. Yes, it is. And you're not just. This is nuts, folks. It's blasphemy. Oh, but he says the reason why he can say this is because I'm, quote, backed by a very rich Jew. Whew. Okay. And then he says, hey, Jesus was poor. When was he poor? He says, Jesus had 12 full-time people on his staff. He even had a a full-time treasurer. Talk about twisting the scripture, right? Uh, And then he he makes all kinds of uh, wacky statements. And again, like Copeland, he would basically say that Jesus is not God. And of course, Copeland is. Listen to how this guy, again, Mr. Duplantis, positions himself. He is apparently so need, even God needs him. Watch this. This is a quote. This is off of Benny Hinn's program in early 2000. And this is Duplantis here speaking. He said, I'm gonna say something that may sound controversial. I, I was in prayer in my own study and, and, and said, Lord, 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 how are you doing today? And I noticed the Lord wasn't acting right. And I, I said, is something wrong? And, and then it hit me. I said, Lord, you had a bad day. And the Lord said, yeah, my children have been disobeying me. And I said, well, I'm gonna cancel all my appointments and I'm gonna sit here till you feel better. And the Lord went, thank you, Jesse. You liar. Now that's not only a story made up, that's blasphemous. Like you're so important that God needs you. Oh, by the way, God never has a bad day. He's God. Give me a break. This is black. Oh, shut this guy off. How can he keep going on? Because people don't read their Bible. Another time he relates a trip that he went to heaven, how Jesus, listen, was tearful in heaven. And so Jesse puts his hand on him to comfort the Lord. And God says, I need you, boy. I need you, Jesse. Wow. You denigrate God. And you're so incredible as a God that God needs you. That would make you in place. It's nuts. In his book, Close Encounters of the God Kind, he supposedly went to heaven and states, listen, I saw new lives of little babies singing and flying around God's throne. I realized there were new souls. I heard them saying to God, would you send me to earth so I can be a spirit? Can I be a spirit? And while I watched, I heard that mighty sound of God's power, whoosh, and I saw these babies leave the throne. Excuse me, you know what that is, folks? That's straight out of Mormonism. Remember that? In our study, go look at it again if you've if you got time. All those things. But that's what Mormons teach. The pre-existence. That's also taught a false teaching, by the way. Okay, pre-existence. And that's why, as we saw, Mormons, why do Mormons fam- Mormon families have so many kids? Because they believe the more kids, the more these spirit babies can come and be good Mormons on the earth. That's why. Okay, we saw. So again, we already dealt with that whole giant study on Mormonism. Check that out. But this is also the false teaching of the Jewish Kabbalah, mysticism of the pre-existence uh, of the soul. Now you come into existence at conception, who is uh, the author of that is God. But again, he goes to heaven. And he says one time, supposedly, obviously, story made up. He said, suddenly I felt a suction as if I was being pulled out of the room and I heard this sound, whoosh, and I was pulled out of the room and then I looked up and, and there stood this blonde-headed angel who had visited me. I had an appointment with Lord Jehovah. And he found himself in an angelic cable car. And he said, I stepped out and everything was so beautiful. It was like being on another planet. Then I saw, listen to this. He said, then I saw other people who didn't have on robes. They were wearing gowns. So second class citizens. But listen to what he says. This is supposed to be in heaven. He said, they started walking towards the city, but they seemed to get weak. You see, they believe in God and love Jesus, but they didn't live to their fullest potential. He said, they have to be prepared to stand in the presence of, of the Almighty. Quote, even in heaven, some people have to work to make themselves ready to stand in the presence of God. They did not live up to their fullest potential on earth, so now they have to do some more works in heaven so they can face God. That's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. Only Jesus Christ gives us the ability to stand before God. This is sick, folks. He says the uh, uh, Hebrews, of course, 9, 12 tells us that Jesus Christ on the cross obtained eternal redemption for us. 
Okay, that's what makes us itself. But according to the plan is, we still have to work on becoming perfected even in heaven. He says they will eventually be able to go to God's throne, but it takes more time for them. Folks, that's not the gospel. That's sick. He also said that as he's in heaven, of course, uh, he, he said that he's there and he saw King David. Uh, he said that King David told him, Jesse, that King David had regretted writing some of the Psalms. Uh, that's inspired scripture. Now you're denigrating the Bible, right? Uh, he said he saw Jesus, but he was surprised because he was taller than he thought he would be. And of course, he's, he's talked with King David, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and Abraham. And I mean, <laughs> you just make it up, you know, because you got to keep this sensation coming if you're going to rip people off their cash. You expect them to come back because you're not teaching the Bible, right? And so that's what these guys do. Uh, and again, these guys are getting rich off this lie in their greed. Why are they doing this? Peter tells us not just what they're up to, not just what they're going to do and the destruction they're headed for. He tells us their motive, greed. And these guys are greedy. Jesse Duplantis owns a $3 million house, which is also the subject of an investigation. He also owns private jets. Uh, recently, uh, you'll see a video in a little bit, he asked his followers to donate money to him so he could buy a new $54 million private jet. And when actually him and Copeland were on the, their same program together and they were trying to justify why they have to have these multi-million dollar private jets to quote, do ministry. Because you know, the last thing they can handle these so-called godly men is to be stuck on a regular airplane full of a tube, it's a tube full of demons. Here's the tape. Jesse and, 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 and I and, and others, Keith Moore and Creflo and all of us, they, the world is in such a shape, we can't get there without this. That's right. We've got to have this. We would have, the mess that the airlines are in today, I would have to stop, I'm being very conservative at least 75 to 80, more like 90% of what we're doing because you can't get there and from here. It's impossible. So we, we ha- and, and this was such a good illustration. I just, mm-hmm. the, the Lord impressed me. That's why we're on that airplane. We can talk to oh, God. Glory we to can, God. We, it's, we, it, it's when I was flying for Oral Roberts, the uh, brother Deweese, my, my mm-hmm. boss on the airplane, he said, now Kenneth, this is sanctuary. It protects the anointing on, on uh, uh, Brother Roberts. Roberts. And he said, you keep your mouth shut. Don't talk to him unless he talks. Because when he's on a meeting, he doesn't talk to anybody but God. Now, Oral used to fly airlines. Right. But it, even back mm-hmm. there then, man, mm-hmm. it, it got to the place where it was agitating his spirit. Sure. People coming up to him. He right. had become famous and they wanted him to pray for him and right. all that. You, you can't. You, you can't manage that today. Right. The, this dope-filled world. Right. And get in, an air, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. Right. That's exactly the And it, it's deadly. Again, getting back to the comment. You said that you don't like to fly commercial because you don't want to get into a tube with a bunch of demons. Do you really believe that human beings are demons? No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. He just said it, dude. That's where your creepy picture came from. That's on tape, man. You got exposed. Do you see those eyeballs? Not looking good. But hey, he's not the only one. We're on a roll. Here comes another guy, popular guy, Creflo Dollar. Interesting last name. Okay, who? His uh, real name is Creflo Augustus Dollar Jr., born Michael Smith. I don't know how that works out, but that's what the report says. 1962, he's a televangelist, and he's also a rap artist. He's the founder of what's called World Changers Church International, based out of a suburb in Atlanta. He also heads, of course, uh, Creflo Dollar Ministries and Arrow Records. So this guy has a music career. Uh, I will not torture you with that one. Uh, because actually his, at least Kenneth Copeland was trying to sing, okay? Uh, This guy, his songs are his sermons put to music. So I I don't know, to spice him up, make you help it not fall asleep while you're driving and crash, and I don't know what's going on. But anyway, he began developing World Changers Ministry, and boy, did he change things with a bunch of false teaching. That was back in 1986, Uh, He started out in a cafeteria 
in uh, elementary school in College Park with eight people in attendance. By 1995, he moved into the present location, 8,500-seat facility known as the World Dome. Uh, the church uh, has said that nearly $20 million World Dome was built without any bank financing. Yeah, you can typically pull that off when you rip people off their cash, right? And that becomes the whole game that you play in your greed, okay? As of 2007, the congregation reported having around 30,000 members and $70 million in revenue. Nuts. Now, just a little side note, back to the connection. Remember, all this got really, the sewer pipe really began to go specifically, the charismatic sewer pipe's been going on for a long time, unfortunately, but the specific sewer pipe of this word of faith, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, perfect health, perfect wealth, baloney, was popularized by Roberts. And then it begins to spill down in these people that we're talking about here. And let me go ahead and put him on the, on the list, Creflo uh, Dollar. Okay, but listen to this. The, guess who's on the board or was on the board of the University Board of Regents for Oral Roberts University? And I quote, Jesse Duplantis, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn. You don't want to go to that school. Okay, but again, you can see it's all coming out of that same sewer pipe. Now, let's get back to Creflo. He's unfortunately made a bunch of of false statements, heresies, stories made up. Uh, He said, Creflo Dollar, okay, and again, we're back to this guy, huh? He said, uh, somebody asked me, could Adam fly? Well, he can if he want to, because he was all God. He was just like God. So again, these guys teach that you can become a God, you're a little God, and all that baloney. Uh, but what's ironic is Dollar admits that he teaches something in the Bible that clearly does not, saying, quote, the Bible doesn't say this. Well, you got that right, but then why do you teach it? It's crazy. So he even admits that. This is kind of weird. But I like what one guy says this. Nobody catches these guys because they're not paying attention. Their discernment is dead because they hang on to their every word. If you listen long enough, you're going to hear all kinds of contradictions like this but they're not. They're so enraptured. And dare I say, listen, that greed factor isn't just on these, these guys. Folks, that greed factor appeals to anybody listening to the message because you start to treat God like he's a big sugar daddy because if I give 100 bucks, then he's got to give me 1,000. If I give him 1,000, he's got to give me 10,000 according to these guys, right? So now you're the one who's gotten caught up in greed, Right? And that's how these guys get uh, uh, rich. Now, speaking of which, he teaches the good news is, the gospel, is you too can be rich. Now, listen to this. He's, re- he's reduced the gospel to this. The gospel is the good news about the power of God on Jesus to get you out of poverty, whether it's poverty in health or poverty in money. Quote, I'm telling you, and again, folks, this is coming from this guy. I'm telling you this anointing is ready to put some money in your pocketbook. Jesus came to make you rich? And the things of this world, are you crazy? As one guy says, what happened to the forgiveness of sin? Is, is this the gospel Jesus preached to be wealthy? Did he ever say, follow me and be healthy and wealthy? What person became wealthy following Jesus? What example did we have? Do the apostles? He says, these promises are doing violence to the gospel of Christ. Yeah, and I'll use the word blasphemy. Oh, that's blasphemy. He went on to say that the, uh, when Jesus sent out his disciples, of course, you know, they're all rich and supposed to be that, but that's not what we see. When Jesus sent out the disciples and the Bible, he commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not even to put on two tunics. Again, completely contradicting what God says. Uh, now, then he threatens you because that's what these guys do. Don't you dare touch, you know, how do you, what do you, are you one of those heresy hunters? Are you one of those people that are trying to ruin the spirit of God to move into God in the last days? You tr- Listen to this. He actually basically says that anybody who disagrees with this teaching, that's the reason why you're poor. Quote, you operate by a spirit of poverty if you are critical of those who preach and teach prosperity. He, and he said this. He says, some people get mad when, when I talk about money. They, they say, whenever I see dollar, he's talking about money. Well, that's because you ain't got none. In their greed, this guy's all about the money, right? And the other guys were too. And of course, he blames the poverty on the devil. But that's not what Jesus said. He said this, Revelation 2, 9 to the church of Smyrna. I know thy works and the tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. Because the riches that Jesus came we're spiritual riches. And one day we will be in a place called heaven with riches beyond your wildest dreams. Not here. 
here's where we're going to be persecuted. Here's where we are going to be hated. Here's where we are going to be reviled. And you're going to go through hard times because this isn't heaven. Heaven comes later. People still have a sin nature. We got a sin nature. We live in a sinful world and there's spiritual warfare. It's not going to be a cakewalk. But Jesus told this church, you are rich. Okay, spiritual riches, not earthly riches. And then they says this. So think about it. When a church or a Christian focuses only on earthly riches, they lose the spiritual riches that they have in Christ. You're missing the boat, right? But Dollar says this. Listen to this. We all talk about, the Bible says that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, you do to glorify God, right? You glorify God, whatever you do, right? That's why we exist, to glorify God, right? Listen to what he says is here's how you glorify God. Watch this. When, you, when they, the lost, see you, Christian, riding in that new car, that's glory. Living in that big house, that's glory. Sinners can't see Jesus, but they can see what your Jesus brought into your life. So that's how you glorify God, is driving fancy cars and big living and, man. And, and, and he did say this. He says, it's time to change the traditional image of Jesus. Well, you've done that. And it's not just traditional. You've changed the biblical view and image of Jesus. He said Jesus was rich. He lived in a big house and he wore designer clothes. He wasn't poor. He didn't wear rags. Okay. Jesus didn't have no rags on. He wore designer clothes, honey. You're making this up, man. Now, what's interesting is the real Jesus, the biblical Jesus, he identified with the poor people, the regular people, the sinners, the outcasts, the, the one that this guy said, well, you ain't got enough faith, right? Or maybe you're disagreeing. That's why you're in the spirit of poverty. Okay, but Jesus called out the Pharisees who were rich and loved money. That's what these guys are. False, pharisaical, false teachers. Jesus, by the way, also worked for a living. And he was on carpenter's wages and they were not equal to a construction work of our day. He was not rich but he came to give us spiritual riches forever and ever and ever. Man, what a perversion, right? The real Jesus taught that we are not to lay up ourselves treasures on earth, okay? You can't find one passage in the New Testament where Jesus Christ, his apostles, or just uh, uh, believers are told to get lots of money. Uh, Jesus actually taught the opposite when he told the rich man, you still lack one thing, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and then you're gonna have treasure in heaven. But he went away sorrowful. Why? Because Jesus knew what he really wanted. That was a greedy man. And Jesus called him on it and says, sell it. He's, and he, he was sad because he didn't want to sell it. You know why? Because his God was what? Money, just like these guys, okay? Right? But uh, uh, he became sorrowful. That's why we're supposed to store up treasure in heaven. Jesus warned that riches were deceitful. They choked the word of God unto fruitfulness. This is from Mark 4. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and lust of other things choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So going down this road is not, not going to be good. Paul also said that those who seek after riches are going to shipwreck their faith. That's 1 Timothy chapter 6, 9 through 10. Okay, and Jesus said, this actually exposes your heart, right? Mark 6, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And again, don't lay up treasures on earth, but in heaven. And Mark 8, for what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Over and over and over again. Our riches are not here, they come later. But these guys completely flipped that on its head. In fact, listen to this. This is, talk about uh, an atrocity. Watch what this guy says about now the second coming of Christ. We already saw that he has completely perverted the gospel of Jesus. Listen to what he says about the second coming. God is coming back for a church without spot or blemish. That means he's not coming back to a church in debt. He cannot come back for a broke church or a sick church. He cannot come back. Uh, What's the word again? Blasphemeo. Okay, so now Jesus can't come back to the planet until we all are rich with perfect health. That's a lie from the pit of hell, folks. But why are people still giving this guy money? Why are they even attending his services? How come he hasn't long dried up? Because guess what? I think not just he's greedy, it attracts people who are greedy, right? And you begin to worship a false god 
which is called idolatry, which is called sin. But again, once again, you see the pattern. Uh, the ones who are getting rich are these guys. Uh, Creflo Dollar, he's uh, been criticized for having obviously a lavish lifestyle. He owns two Rolls Royces, private jets. He's got high-end real estate, such as a million-dollar home in Atlanta, a $2.5 million home in New Jersey, a home in Manhattan that he bought way back in 2006 for $2.5 million back then. And of course, his ministries get a grade F for financial transparency, okay? And again, once again, the world is very quick to call these people, rightly so, out for being a bunch of greedy hucksters. Let's take a look at this. They are some of the most popular and flashy TV evangelists in the country. These men appear to have made a lot of money, and they travel, well, like kings. When our Lisa Guerrero tried to ask one of these wealthy preachers about that, some might say she was treated in a very non-Christian way. There ought not be any poor among you. They're among the most popular televangelists in America. I just need more. I just need more. And they're wealthy beyond imagination. One of my chandeliers costs more than most people's house. I got 22 chandeliers in the house. They live in huge mansions, drive fancy cars, and forget about flying coach. They own some of the best private jets money can buy. I got an intercontinental plane. Pastor Jesse DePlantis zips around in this DeSalt Falcon 50 jet paid for by his church. Here he is boarding the plane with his wife for a short one-hour flight from Fort Worth, Texas to his home outside New Orleans. Estimated round-trip cost, $14,000. If he flew commercial, it would be as low as 180 bucks. My congregation is the world. I need to play. He says his jet allows him to better spread his message around the world. And it sure has taken him to some pretty nice places. 16 times to Hawaii alone since 2006. I really believe that if Jesus was physically on the earth today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. DePlantis now wants an upgrade to this $54 million DeSalt 7X that comes with lavish interiors. Only the wealthiest people in the world can afford such luxury. So for you that don't think I should have that plane, God told me to have that plane. When he didn't respond to our request for an interview, I met him at a book signing. Why do you need a $54 million private jet? We're not doing any kind of interviews right now. I'm in a book. I just like to know why you need a private Keep your hands off me. Why are your people touching me like this? Because you need to Let go of me. The next day, back on the pulpit, he joked about how his security got rid of me. She's gone. Boom. I can hear her hollering. <laughs> and I came back and said, what'd you do with her? He said, I made her outside edition. For $54 million, I want you to imagine how many people could be fed, how many homeless could have places to sleep. Ole Anthony and Pete Evans investigate televangelists for the Trinity Foundation, a watchdog group. They're extremely greedy. They don't need mansions. They don't need jets. <laughs> but when it comes to luxurious travel... Are you seeing this? I hope so. You bought it. <laughs> very few people can beat Kenneth Copeland. He even has his own airport next to his lovely mansion in Newark, Texas. Copeland actually has two private jets a $20 million Citation 10, and a Gulfstream 5 jet that he recently bought from movie director Tyler Perry. He's flown his jets to his vacation ski resort in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, at least 143 times since 2000. So why not fly coach? Who better to explain his reasoning than to that other high-flying preacher, his good buddy, Jesse DePlantis? This dope-filled world, right. get, in an air, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. Right, that's exactly the And it, it's deadly. We caught up with Reverend Copeland in Branson, Missouri. You said that you don't like to fly commercial because you don't want to get into a tube with a bunch of demons. Do you really believe that human beings are demons? No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. If I flew commercial, I'd have to stop 65% of what I'm doing. How much money did you pay for Tyler Perry's Gulfstream jet, for example? Well, for example, that's really none of your business, but... Isn't it the business of your donors? Listen, he made that airplane so cheap for me, I couldn't help but buy it. Don't you feel sorry for him? I just, he had to. He just, his arms were twisted and just come. Oh, wow. 2,000 years ago. 
not two years ago, man, it's been written down for nearly 2,000 years, in their greed, these false teachers are gonna come into the church, they're going to exploit you, they're gonna rip you off with stories they made up, but you better not be around them because they're headed for destruction. But it's also a sign we're living in the last days, which means it's not just the world's messed up, folks. God says there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, famines, earthquakes. He says the church is going to go into apostasy, and he got specific here and said, you're even going to have these greedy hucksters come into the church. Folks, this is happening now. We don't know the day nor the hour, but folks, time is running out. Okay? Now, unfortunately, it's not just the men who get into this baloney. Lord willing, next time we're going to highlight some of the ladies. I can't do all these people. We'd be here forever. But we're going to have one study on just three of the more popular ladies, and that is, uh, you know who there, Paula White, who's now up there lending an ear to the president. Not good, not good. Marilyn Hickey, and of course, Joyce Meyer. All preaching the same baloney as well. But we'll get to that, unfortunately, next time. Lord willing, let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a liar. I'm a thief, I'm a blasphemer, I'm an adulterer, I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy 
through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave, and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.